start by being honest with ourselves. As a nation, for decades, we were perfectly happy to write off whole neighborhoods, whole cities, whole generations of young men and women. As long as it was an inner city problem, an urban problem, which is to say, a black people problem, a brown people problem. Send them to prison, into a system from which they'll never return. Maybe now, now that it's really come home to roost, now that it's the high school quarterback, your next door neighbor, your son, your daughter, now that grandma's as likely to be a junkie as anybody else, we'll accept that there has never been a real war on drugs. War on drugs implies an us versus them. And all over this part of America, people are learning there is no them. There is only us. And we're going to have to figure this out together. Kunta. Kunta. Left the village. To cut sabar To make himself a drum. And that was the last time that he was seen. Uh, and he say... He was out in the woods, not far from his village, cutting down a tree to make himself a drum. And when he was doing that, that's when the slavers couched him. And he never see his mama and his papa again in his whole life. <laughs> you old African! I found you! Praise be to Allah, the one long lost to us, whom Allah has returned. Welcome, son of Kinte. Welcome to your village. My name is Tyrone Bost, owner of BBPW Heating and Cooling. And welcome to our show, The Calls Tyrone Show. And I'm here with my millennial co-hosts and my African-American history and cultural gangsters. Leroy uh, Myers, um, a master's uh, 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 graduate at the University of Oklahoma. His area of study is history. And um, he was concentrating while there on the dynamics of African-American and Native American history. Uh, he just received his degree this month. Uh, the month of May, and uh, say hello, Leroy. Oh, good afternoon, everybody. Okay, Leroy is constantly is is is, is currently I'm sorry in Oklahoma where he's working on his PhD studies. He's now um, uh, a PhD uh, candidate. Okay, and and also my other millennial Zachary Leacock, social media entrepreneur, who majored in audio production, radio, TV, and film at Howard University. He is a social conscious vegan and producer of the Channel Ten podcast which features interviews with pioneering rap artists. Good afternoon, Baltimore. Happy Memorial Day. Okay, happy Memorial Day, uh, Baltimore. Um, what you heard was, uh, what you just heard was uh, uh, Alex Haley, um, play, who was played by, uh, uh, God, um, who's the, the famous, James Earl Jones. I'm sorry, James Earl Jones. 
And um, by the way, James Earl Jones was denied work for a while because he had came from the islands and he couldn't speak properly and they didn't like the way, you know, he spoke. So he couldn't get work for a while until he worked on his voice. And his voice became so good that they actually used him to advertise, you know, all kinds of things, you know, telephone books and all yellow pages, all kinds of stuff. That's how good, good with all that hard work that his voice became. And that's how phenomenal he was. Now, Alex Haley was the author of, of, uh, of Roots, which was called, uh, the book called Roots, uh, an American uh, family saga. That was the name of the book, book which he uh, published in 1976. And I believe he, um, it became a bestseller by the way, and I believe he won a Pulitzer Prize for that. Um, uh, it was either that or the Autobiography of Malcolm X, but I do know he, he uh, won a Pulitzer Prize because another book, another famous book that he wrote was the Autobiography of Malcolm X, which was an excellent book. I mean, the man was was an excellent writer. He goes wrote that, you know, because by the time it was 19, um, eight, uh, yeah, 1965 by the time he published it. So uh, he goes wrote that from interviews, actual interviews with Malcolm X before he died. So that, and that was an excellent book. That was a bestseller. And in uh, Spike Lee's movie, um, Malcolm X was based on that. So he had several movies that, uh, um, several books, rather, that movies were actually made uh, from. The, his last book was Queen. And um, uh, he had the screen, uh, screenwriter um, promise that he would get it published before he died. I mean, or, or, or finish it up before he died. And that became a movie as well. So. He was a phenomenal writer and uh, one of the best-selling African-American uh, writers in history, by the way. And that Roots was a very compelling story. And as you saw, and the, act the actors were excellent. You had Ben Marine, you had um, Jan John Amos, you had LeVar Burton, uh, Cicely Tyson, some of the best um, African-American and, and white actors, by the way, uh, currently uh, uh, out at that time. When, it, when the, movie came, the movie came out, I mean, it was a miniseries, it came out in 1977, right after a year after the book came out. Which is quite interesting. It didn't take long to make a movie out of that one or a miniseries out of it. It's very popular. 130 people, 130 people looked at that TV show, and that's very rare now because you only had a few channels back in those days. You might, the people that were back there remember. You 130 might have, million. 130 million. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Did I say that? 130 million. Yep. Yeah. Okay. 130 million. So, and I think the population of the United States might have been 220 million or something. So it's almost more than half the, the United States was watching that miniseries. I guess the other half was sleeping and working. I don't know. <laughs> but that's a lot of people to be watching the show, and that was that was quite phenomenal. And um, it, it actually told the story from the version from the the eyes of the of the slaves, you know, for, because because uh, it started with slavery and it went up through uh, contemporary times, and uh, it ended with that what you just heard um, uh, him finding his uh, relatives in in uh, Gambia, and in the village of Jafur, which he, um, he it took him twelve years to produce this book. And then, and uh, he had to actually travel to Africa to see if he could find the. What he found was a griot, who uh, had an oral history of African, all the African ancestors in that village, and he spent hours listening to that griot with a translator, and he finally came across the name of Sukuta Kente, and that's what that whole scene was. He just broke down emotionally, and started crying. So, it's a very very compelling scene for the movie, and um, I, I enjoyed it. I watched the whole series, by the way. Um, they're coming out with a new roots. And that'll be out, um, that's supposed to start tonight, um, Memorial Day. T.I. is in it, and a couple of uh, current, you know, the rapper T.I., and a couple of current people that are that are uh, prominent in the, in the entertainment industry. So that ought to be pretty interesting. It starts today, uh, Memorial Day, and it goes to Thursday at 9 o'clock. And um, it's going to be on the History Channel, and uh, I was at AME, History Channel. and uh, uh, Is it going to be on... Um <coughs> 
AMC, but you know, if you uh, look it up, you'll be able to find it. Yeah, you'll it. be able to find it. Just Google it. You'll be able to find it. And it should be pretty good. It's a remake. It's an updated version, you know. So, uh, now, if, uh, before we get started, we're going to talk about Memorial Day real quick and how it relates to the African American experience. Um, and then, uh, Zach, do you want anything to add about Roots? Um, just about Roots. Um, I was looking at the Washington Post, and they um, they compiled a list of, um, well, not a list, but they compiled, you know, basically a lot of their coverage of the um, of the actual, um, you know, covers that they did at the time when it came out. And one of the points that they made was that, um, you know, throughout television history, you see stories that are portrayed um about you know all different various subjects you have detective movie uh, uh shows you have shows about killers you have all these different shows but this was the first one that really um illuminated you know the experience and dramatized the experience of slavery and that was something that you know a lot of um you know america didn't uh have at that time right, so it was right. very important let me let me inject that was the first uh show that showed the savagery of slavery i'm mm -hmm. just gonna put it where, where what it is it showed the actual sla the savagery the rapes the brutality of slavery and then for the first time because you had gone with the wind which showed a bunch of happy simple negroes that were happy to be slaves and uh the white people were benevolent masters and all this kind of stuff but you know slavery was a brutal institution make no mistake about it and you were whipped and terrorized to stay uh to stay a slave to be convinced that you need to be a slave in some cases they castrated people in some cases they whipped them to uh a subconsciousness or death. Okay. And then um, they uh, pointed out that uh, on February 14th, uh, 1977, uh, the Washington Post had a feature called Postscript, and they had a quote from uh, Ronald Reagan where he said, uh, very frankly, I thought the bias of all the good people being one color and all the bad people being another was rather destructive. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. So Reagan was kind of upset that um, the slave owners were shown in a bad light, but the people that were owned... I mean, they were shown as, as uh, you know, in a good light, but they were the victims. Uh, I'm sorry. You know, they, they were the victims. No, I'm not even sorry. They were, <laughs> they were the victims. So they, they were supposed to be shown in a different light from the people that were the perpetrators of the slavery. That was what that of the chattel slavery does put on them. Uh, Leroy? Yeah, well, I've been going back and forth on, you know, the what's the point of remaking Roots? Um, and I, and I, I, say this for, I say this for a particular reason because... Uh, I've been reading up on it a little bit, and you know, I, from what I'm understanding, like people like LeVar Burton, they but they thought that it was a good thing to kind of remake Kuta Kinte and the whole legacy behind Roots, um, you know, to as a I guess to show like a sign of the times, you know, right now with Black Lives Matter and stuff like and things like that. But there are so many more, you know, other narratives that could have been used that you know that maybe the History Channel could have made into another uh, miniseries just as well. But when it comes to Roots, at least historically, you know, it, the, uh, it's supposed to be a bit more updated. So, for example, uh, some people, from what I was understanding, they were um, afraid that it would become Christianized and the Islamic element would be taken away, taken away from the series. But from what I'm understanding, it'll be um, it'll be a bit magnified, a bit more to, uh, to show the village that uh, Kuta Kinte came from, and it was kind of in the middle in the middle of the Mali Empire, and showing the complex trade routes that. Um, this part of sub-Saharan Africa had. And, yeah, so, and uh, to your point, Leroy, um, in that clip, you actually heard them speaking uh, Arabic. They were saying, you know, that praises to Allah and, you know, things of that nature. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, they they were glad to have him back. If you've ever been to Africa, you get a lot of that. When I was there, they they uh, they were like, welcome back, brother, and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So you get you get a lot. Of, they're glad to stay proud of, uh, you know, of their American brothers and their connection to them. 
Um, they're, they're fascinated. You know, they think we're all rich for one thing. <laughs> but we all know that's not true. I'm sure about it. But, but in some ways, we are, we are rich in this country, you know, because our standard of living is so high. However, and we're going to talk about this when we get to the Memorial Day topic, as we've earned every right, be it, um, the fact that we fought in every major war, and, uh, and or we, we also um, gave free labor for hundreds of years, we're entitled to every right that any American, probably more than any American has, uh, in this country. So, you know, I have no plans to go back to Africa. Um, I'm staying right here with my Polish brothers and my Irish brothers because they're not going back to Ireland or Poland. I'm staying right here with them. All right. Okay. So because my people earned the right to be here, this is my country too. They earned that right to be here. So we're going to briefly we're going to talk about Memorial Day. Now a lot of people don't realize this, but um, I've read uh, accounts that Memorial Day was actually started by black people. <laughs> okay. Um, now, of course, officially it was proclaimed, proclaimed by white people, but but um, what happened was there was, um, and, and I think I believe it was in Charleston, uh, South Carolina, there was um, African Americans, ex-slaves, that actually dug up the bodies of uh, Union um, soldiers. It was like 190, uh, 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 I'm sorry, 257 Union soldiers were buried in a mass grave. So they they dug them up, put them in individual graves, cleaned them up, and, and uh, they had a big parade with 10,000 people. And 2,000 black children in front of that parade to celebrate um, uh, Memorial Day. And uh, they were so grateful for their freedom. If you've never been a slave, you will never realize how great it is to be free. Because those people would work from sun up to sundown. That was their clock, the sun. And they would bend over and pick that cotton. And uh, it's very, if you've ever seen cotton before, it has thorns on it. It's, very, it's not easy to pick. You can imagine being bent over all day in 100 degree heat in the south, picking that cotton. That's not a lot of fun. So... These people wanted a uh, chance to determine their own destiny, and it was no benevolent um, institution. It was brutal. It was brutal. And um, uh, what that was that was the first big celebration of Memorial Day on record. Now, again, there were proclamations by generals and all this other kind of stuff that were official. But as far as I know, that was the first big parade where they had 10,000 people in a parade. That's a lot of people. And um, 2,000 children out front. That that's, is a lot of people. And by the way, as I said before, um, we fought in, in every war. There's about 7,000 uh, uh, soldiers, black soldiers that fought in the revolution. And as a matter of fact, the first person killed, the first American killed in the American Revolution was a black man. It was Christmas Attucks. Okay, so as I said, we, um, we, we pay for this country with our blood, sweat, and tears. So don't let nobody tell you that you don't deserve to be here because your ancestors earned that right just as more, more, than, more so than any American, that I, any American, period, bar none. And uh, let's see, five, yeah, around 5,000 soldiers fought in the revolution. Uh, about 179 blacks uh, served in this uh, union, fought for the union in the Civil War. And by the way, we were losing the Civil War at the beginning of the war. The United States was actually losing that war. A lot of people don't realize that because the South had some of the best generals. I hate to say it. The South had some of the best generals. And um, because that's where all the military institutions were, you know, the best ones were at the time. Uh, Virginia Military Institute, places like that. Um, uh, Robert E. Lee and, and uh, Longstreet and all those guys, they were excellent generals, excellent tacticians. And Lincoln had to fire a lot of uh, northern generals for incompetence because a lot of them were appointed generals because they were rich or owned a lot of land. Um, so about 179,000. And blacks, by the way, if they were captured, they were brutalized. And um, matter of fact, there was a, um, a massacre. They had captured some um, some soldiers at Fort Pillow. Uh, and you look this up, the Fort Pillow 
um, massacre. Uh, the Confederates under um, Nathan Bedford Forrest, who, by the way, created the KKK, <laughs> he captured these soldiers. They surrendered. They were outnumbered, by the way, you know, almost two to one, three to one. And they had they, out, they got overran. They, they surrendered. And he lined the, the black soldiers up and shot them, about 300, killed them, killed them dead. So blacks were normally treated very harshly if they were captured. So you might, I mean, you were going to have a good time if you were captured. You might as well just fight to death. You know, but they don't fight. Um, we served in World War One, World War Two, you know, almost a million uh, blacks served in World War Two, and the Germans um, remarked at the ferocity of those soldiers, and they were saying stuff like, "If you send those black bears back, you're not going to win," you know. So, and and by the way, we were called buffalo soldiers by the Indians, you know. That uh, um, one uh, legend says that a guy, um, I think his name was, um, God, what's the guy's name? Uh, it'll come to me. Um, uh, well, anyway, it was a Buffalo soldier. It was a guy, but his name was John Randall. Yeah, his name was John Randall. I'm sorry. He was um, cornered by the, um, by the Indians. He was by himself because he went out with a hunting party, and the civilians got killed. And he was, he was a private. He's by himself. And the Indians um, were trying to uh, kill him. It was 13 Indians. Um, I'm sorry, 17 Indians tried to kill him. And the only thing he had was his pistol in his, in his bare hands. And he took out like 13 of those Indians. And they said that man fought like a, when they got back, they said this man fought like a buffalo. They talk about the new type of soldier. He fought like a, a cornered buffalo, and he had hair like a buffalo. So that's how legend says the buffalo soldier thing got, got started, by this guy single-handedly taking out uh, 13 uh, Indians. So um, these, these uh, buffalo soldiers had a reputation. And again, you know, I'm not making a commentary on whether, you know, the, the right or wrong of war because we don't make, make policy, but there's a lot of blacks that served in war. We don't make policy. We go where they're sent. I don't agree with wars uh, where um, you're trying to protect the U.S. interests because we have bases and and countries all over the world. We have, they have too, you know, too many of these bases all over the world, I think, and I think it causes more trouble, creates more trouble with our meddling in other affairs than, than what's worth the Army and the military in general, to me, as a veteran, should be only to protect the United States of America. Because let's face it, without the military, we won't have a country. That's just being honest. Uh, Zach. Um, and like you were saying, um, you know, um, African-Americans have contributed so much, whether or not you um, agree with what the uh, orders of the mission are. Um, you know, we've uh, contributed quite a bit. And if you um, and it's, you know, now acknowledged by uh, the government and the military, if you go to uh, army.mil, uh, they have a timeline of um, African-American history in the military. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of different facts that you may not know, like uh, how Frederick Douglass um, actually recruited his own two sons to serve in the U.S. Army. Um, and it goes into like the Buffalo Soldiers. And um, a lot of us were actually, um, you know, Medal of Honor recipients, even going back to, you know, 1864. Um, when you look at uh, Powhatan Beatty, who was the first sergeant uh, of Company G with uh, 5th U.S. Uh, Colored Troops. Um, and Harry Tubman was a Union spy, by right, the way. Yep. She volunteered. They didn't ask her. She volunteered. She knew all the layout of the land. And what she would do is she would give reports on uh, on uh, Confederate troop movements back to and reported back to uh, the uh, the Union Army. And that helped in a lot of battles. It really did. Helped them win a lot of battles. And that goes to the the whole um, argument um, that, you know, this is just as much uh, our country as anyone else's. Um, you know, we've uh, fought and shed blood and, you know, um, a lot of a lot of this country wouldn't be here, uh, you know, without us um, not only building um, and working for free, but also fighting for this country and the uh, United States military. And, and we damn sure shouldn't be treated like second class citizens in no case. Exactly. Be it mass incarceration, post brutality, 
or whatever. So, um, Leroy? Yeah, um, and, you know, when it comes to, you know, the the roles, the role that African Americans have played, you know, whether it's fighting for the country or, um, or you know, uh, helping to build the country, you know, like the, the Buffalo Soldiers, like they truly mm-hmm. exemplified the, uh, when you, I guess to, I guess to add like an Oklahoman perspective to it, um, you know, when they were here uh, during the days of Indian Territory and um, the territorial government of, um, of Oklahoma, um, towards like the West, um, the Buffalo soldiers, they kept out like, you know, many intruders, whether they were black or white, um, within the, uh, within the confines, I guess the private government lands. And they also, they helped build like a lot of, um, telegraph lines and a lot of infrastructure, um, that, that eventually came to be Oklahoma uh, for a number of years. Absolutely. So the, the, the U.S. soldiers not only fought, but they helped build the infrastructure of the country in a lot of ways. Um, Okay, uh, now we're going to move back to, uh, uh, we're going to talk about you know, some of the things that, in some of these wars, especially the, the revolution, the main reason these soldiers were fighting was for their freedom. They were offered freedom, guarantees of freedom they fought on the side of the revolution. And in a lot of cases, even after we were free, we were trying to broker our military service for our rights. We thought that if we would participate in these, these conflicts, it would actually further our, our fight for rights. And... Um, so, you know, shadow slavery um, was, was an awful thing. And a lot of people preferred to go fight for their freedom. And a lot of people were freed in the Civil War because they fought on the side of the Union. So given that choice being being a slave and being a soldier, a lot of people, a lot of people, massive number of people uh, took up soldiering. And even some of the people that were freed after the Emancipation Proclamation was, was signed actually took up arms against the South. They were so pissed off. I mean, messed up. I shouldn't say that, say that on the radio. But... Um, this is, uh, uh, we have a caller? Uh, yes, uh, we have uh, Ernest. Uh, good afternoon, Ernest. Good afternoon. How's it going? Uh, in reference to Roots, uh, I first heard from Dick Gregory that Roots was plagiarized by Yeah, Alex I heard that too, Ernest. And I looked yeah. it up. And it's got all the information of who it was plagiarized from. Right, right. And everything. Okay. So Alex Haley <laughs> plagiarized uh, Roots. Right. And right. even Henry Louis Gates said that Alex Haley went back to Africa and found his uh, his the village that he was right. raised up in. Ja- in Jafor. Huh? Yeah, in Jafor. The village is called Jafor. Go ahead. Henry Louis Gates, who was a friend of Alex Haley, mm-hmm. said that's probably not true. Okay. Alex Haley was a, a product of um, the Navy, and he was a He, he retired from the Navy, that's correct. And he spied on black people. Okay. And the other thing oh. is, Okay, thank you for your comment. Oh, you you don't want me to? Thank you. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, I've done this, uh, my research, too. Alex Haley, there, there were claims that Alex Haley actually plagiarized, he's correct, actually plagiarized um, uh, some of that material from, from the, the book Roots, and that, uh, and that um, you know, a lot of that stuff they couldn't verify up to the Civil War. After that, the Civil, from the Civil War up, they, um, they couldn't. But, but the story itself, the story itself has has value as a story, our, our, our combined story as a people, okay? So those things are your, like men yet, some things that actually happen to black people, okay? And uh, so that's how you got to look at it. It tells a story. And, and, and by the way, white people have stories, too, that were true. I mean, Ulysses, you heard the Yiliad? You think that's true? You think uh, Ulysses was fighting a Cyclops? But it still doesn't take away from the fact that it was a great story in Greek history, Okay. So we're entitled to our Iliad, too, and that's what that was. It was like an Iliad, a journey 
of discovery. And then if you if you hold up roots against uh, uh, we were talking about Gone with the Wind um, earlier, uh, which wasn't true either, <laughs> right? So you know which which one <laughs> which has the most truth, and which one is going to benefit us the most? Yeah, and and the, the story the story needed to be told. However, it was told whether it was plagiarized or not. Those things actually happened. Those whippings, like you got you whipped, that happened. And those rapes, that happened. And by the way, Labar Burton is related. He, he's the executive producer. Of, of Roots this time around. He's, he's a co-presenter producer with a guy named uh, Mark Wolpark, I think that's his name. And they're actually related because of slavery, because of things of rapes and slavery. They they did their genetic testing and these two guys, one's white and LeBar Burgess is a, is a dark-skinned black guy. They're related by slavery. The story needed to be told, okay? And I think it was told, it was handled very well, excellently by, um, by um, Alex Haley. Next caller. Okay, we're going to go to Brown. How's it going, Brown? Yeah, how y'all doing? All right, Brown. How you doing, sir? Well, I did some research on Alex Haley, too, and Alex Haley was the enemy. Who's the enemy uh, of what? The black folks. All right, in what way, sir? And and just like the uh, last caller said, he was an informant. So uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, uh, we not... For the government, he was a spy. Okay, Brown, let me ask you a question. Okay, this is all provocative, okay? Let me ask you a question. Do you think the story of Ruth shouldn't have been told? Not in that fashion. Why not? Well, what fashion you want? Well, you want to be candy coated? Well, well, it was a slavery is brutal. It was a, slavery is brutal, man. It well, needs to be told that was, way. It was a lot. It was a lot uh, left out. Uh, as like far what? As how as far as how they the image it's, that it was. It's not it a perfect way, story. It was it was way brutal. Oh yeah, of course it was. They could put uh, it on TV. Uh, it was uh, not brutal, uh, brutal uh, that. Uh, we know then, that. We know that. They showed us. They took. I, I think, Brown, I let me think finish. Brown, hard. Brown, Brown. You're correct. It was a lot more brutal than that. They would actually take some of the bucks and castrate them in front of everybody. You know, just to, to terrorize and keep those people in check. Because the overseas were outnumbered. So the way they kept order was by terror. By sheer terror. You know, what would happen to you? And uh, so, yeah, they cut off. In that story, they cut off Kunta Kinte's foot. They didn't castrate anybody in that story. But the story needed to be told about the brutality of slavery. Now, if it's true, false, or indifferent, a lot of those things actually happen to somebody. Not necessarily uh, Kunta Kinte, but it happened to somebody. All those things. All right? That's the point we're trying to get across. We're not trying to say it was all true. We're not trying to say Alex Haley was an angel. We're not trying to say Alex Haley never told a lie. Okay? Okay. This ain't Abraham Lincoln. Okay? Well, from that perspective, from the way you're looking at it, I can understand it from from your perspective. Perspective, but I, I'm not. That, I, I'm not. I'm not looking at Alex Haley uh, as a hero. Okay, well, we can. I can accept that. I can accept that. I'm not. I don't have Thank a problem you. with that. Thank you for calling, sir. You call next week if you want. I don't have a problem with what Thank you, you so just much. said. Yeah, that's a good opinion. You know, but just discounting the story itself. You know, based on a person's character, there's a lot of um, Truman Capote, a lot of uh, people that wrote things. You know, that wrote good articles and good stories, and they were they were um, scumbags as people. Okay, and um, but that doesn't take away from the story, the narrative that needed to be told. It, slavery was a vicious thing. It wasn't like going with the wind, you know, with Mammy and all those happy Negroes. It was brutal. And that was the first movie that showed it as it was or, or close to it. Anyway, the closest thing you can do on TV at the family hour. Okay, and I thought it was I thought those actors did an excellent job, especially um, um, James Earl Jones when he went back, supposedly went back to uh, Gambia to find his people. Because, you know, I went back to Africa, you know. Of course, I didn't see a griot, and he told me my family history, but I get that, that I, I could draw from that, looking at that scene, and relate to it. You know what I'm saying? 
you get that those type of feels. They do come up. They, you do emote like that. Okay, let's go to the next call. Okay. Good afternoon, Diane. How's it going? I'm fine. How y'all doing? All right, Diane. How's it going, man? I'm fine. Happy uh, Memorial Day to everyone. Happy Memorial Day to you, Diane. Thank you. Um, I enjoyed the first route. Yeah, I did too. Um, It was great. I thought it was an excellent um, dictation about us, how we got here. Yep. uh, Diane, mm -hmm. Diane, the story was, it showed that um, um, Kunta Kinte was a Mandinka warrior. Right. He's captured by slavers. Mm-hmm. And uh, it showed that we had a culture over there, you know, that we weren't just come from nothing. We had a culture that was upset by the Europeans' domination of Africa because those countries were cut out of uh, out of the Europeans who conquer, conquered Africa because they were the first people to exploit gunpowder for um, weapons. And right. whoever whoever was the first people to exploit gunpowder for weapons would be the rules of the world, no matter who it was, black, Chinese, whatever. And it's, the thing about it is that it, it lets us know how good we were. We were prince princesses that were captured, you know. Right, and warriors like, and everything else. And they still destroy in Africa today. And, right. And we're not even trying to go over there to help, you know. We have learned so much because God, I, I'm going to say it like this, God has given us the skills and the knowledge to where we can go and put back the content, the whole continent of Africa well, back and, and our different, the different countries if we really want right. to. Right. Now, I, I agree. I agree with that. But see, the, the mm-hmm. thing is, we've been all been so brainwashed. Right. And the Africans, too. Now, the Africans, are, in some cases, they're their own worst enemies. These European nations keep mm-hmm. them divided so they can exploit the, the, the uh, resources, the That's diamonds right. and all that stuff. They want them to fight. Mm-hmm. It's under the uh, auspices of uh, divide, divide and Conquer. Right. Okay, so it's best when you got a people and you're outnumbered, you want to keep them divided. You want to keep fighting amongst themselves. They can't concentrate on a real problem, which might be you. That's true. Okay, and, so. And that, I, agree, I agree with you on that totally, totally because that's how we are divided. We're still divided here and conquered. No matter what, even if we like middle class people, when a, when the police thing is us, he doesn't see that you have money. Nope. And I don't. He sees you as an African-American person. Right. Now, if he sees you as an older person and you might have a certain talent, he might give you a break. Because you might think you got know. money for a lawyer. But as a, a person with regular clothes on, no mm-hmm. suit and tie, you're just an N-word to him, you know? Yeah. That, you know, and, and that's what we got to... And, and the, the middle class people don't realize that. Right, and you and like you said, that we all been brainwashed. We've been brainwashed against our, our, our own children' demise, you know. Like, I'm going to take the example of the uprising last year, and then I'm going to get off the phone. Now, I was told by the police in my district that they had been monitoring the young children on social media. Right. And they knew something was going to happen the day of Freddie Gray's funeral. Okay, if you knew that, why didn't the commissioner at the time and also the school um, CEO, why didn't y'all get with the mayor and close the schools that day? Well, they, they didn't close the schools. They did something more idiotic. What they did was they shut down the bus That's service. That's what I'm saying. And now there's an article in the Sun, to your point. That says that, said, let me finish, that says that the article in the Sun, and it's dated uh, May 29th, it says that they closed down the bus service, mm-hmm. and they still won't release the films of what happened when it was closing down. Because I, I believe, they say they say they won't release it to the Sun because it's a matter of national security, they don't want terrorists to see it. And all. I don't believe that. I believe the police were brutalizing those children, and they right. don't want it seen to create another uprising. <laughs> so, not, only that, that, not only that, that, but... They don't want us to see it, the public to see it, because they know they was wrong. Like, you shut down the bus system and all... And these the children can't get home. They, how how are our, they going to get home? Yeah, that's disrespectful to our kids. Right. Then when, when they, they went down North Avenue, they couldn't, they couldn't get on the, the subway down there either. No, and then you have... Uh, you that's have what ignited the riot. Adults against the children. And we were supposed to stand up for our children. And, and we like, didn't. And we didn't. One of my friends, her granddaughter, she called, and I was with her. She called crying to her grandmother to come pick her up. She went to Douglas. 
You right. Know, so it doesn't they didn't care about those children, and we didn't either, obviously. Right. We didn't stand up for them. No, we didn't. And and the thing about it, it the mayor and all of them could be, they all was wrong. They were wrong. Those it, are our children. They had the right to do that. You knew something was going to go down. Why didn't you close the school that day and had, you know, we wouldn't have had all what, what we had. They wouldn't do that in Rolling Park. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> if, if that was the all-white. They walk home. If the, if the school system was all-white back then, and they, they would say, oh, they was expressing themselves. When are we going to stop allowing people to tell us that we can't express when we are angry about different things? That's how we die so early because of under stress. We are oh, under okay, so I'm going to have to move on. Uh, right. I appreciate you calling. You'll call next week, all right? Okay. All right, Thank great, so great comments. Um, let me um, talk about how uh, white wealth was created since we're talking about slavery. An initiative in some vacuum because most people in a competitive society have to work harder they think. So that sort of goes without saying. White, black, brown doesn't matter. People tend to work hard and do so in relatively similar numbers. But what did matter is that the government of the United States stepped in and created wealth for white folks. Big government did that. We need to understand that's where the head start comes from. And this thing goes back an awful long ways. Actually, goes back to the colonies in the 1630s and 1640s. There was a program in place. My family actually took advantage of it when one of the branches came during that period. You may or may not have heard about it. Odds are not because we don't talk about it in school. But it was this thing called the Headright Program. The Headright Program was a program that allowed male heads of household from England who came to the United States to claim 50 acres of land and the tools with which to work it for nothing just for making the trip. Now you see, you give out 50 acres of land and some tools to black people, and we call that a handout. We call that welfare, we might even call that reparations. You give out 50 acres of land and some tools to white folks, we call it nation building. See how that works? It's fascinating, the different kind of rhetoric that we use. Millions of acres of land were given out that way over a period of a very short period of time. Fast forward to the 1860s. Homestead Act of 1862 gets passed. What does it do? Gives out 240 million or more acres of land for virtually nothing to white families. People of color are almost completely barred from being able to take advantage of it. 240 million acres of virtually free land. That, the free market can't do that. Let's just at least agree on that. The, the small government can't do that. The market cannot take other people's land and give it to you. Right? Only a very large government with guns is capable of doing that. And that's what happened, of course, because this had been somebody else's land before, and then it got taken and redistributed. And yet what's interesting is I haven't seen a single one of the families, because there are 20 million white folks in this country today, some estimate as many as 50 million, but at least 20 million, who are living, who are the direct descendants of those people who got Homestead Act benefits, many millions of them, living on that land, living on those ranches, living on those farms, living in those houses. Not one of them has showed up in Washington, D.C. and said, you know what, I've got to give this back, because... Uh, seems to me that if I keep this this property that the government made possible, that'd be like um, what would that be like? What's the word? That'd be like socialism. <laughs> so here, y'all can take this back because I didn't get it fair and square. You see, but no one does that. Okay, that's stuff that you're not going to hear. Not that you're not going to learn that in school. You're not going to hear on the major media. Okay. But that's what happened. Now, land was actually given to white folks for free just for the trip coming over here. You got 50 acres of land. And if you were here and you paid what the equivalent of $219 in today's money to get somebody else over here, you got 100 acres for each person you bought over. And if you had free slaves, you had slaves to work the land. I mean, come on. How easy can it get? They're going to cook for themselves. They're going to build their own house. They make their own clothes. You ain't got to worry about them. Just, just worry about whipping them, you know, when they get out alive. When they, and then when white folks say black people are lazy, I'm like, yeah, okay. You know what? You get, And they were saying black people were lazy back then when they were slaves. You can't get more unlazy than being a slave, you know, working for somebody else's uh, money. Okay, let's talk, let's talk about uh, when Alice Haley finds himself. 
me yeah has determined that you and I are related get the seriously seriously right. on my paternal side in relatively recent history it goes back a ways yeah. but in relatively recent history my father's side is connected to your side so brother <laughs> is that bizarre wild is that to Mike uh, Wolper and they're actually related the, the co-producer of uh, the new roots they're, they're actually related he's white uh, the brother as I said before is uh, dog skin and um, um, black guy and they're actually related because of the rapes they have no slavery all right and that's evidence of it they found that out through DNA testing um, uh, and let's let's talk about um, Alex Haley finds himself that Okay, so like I, as I said before, still a beautiful story. Uh, true, false, or indifferent. Excellent story. And if you ever get a chance to go to Africa, you'll, you'll feel those emotions, trust me. Uh, if you have any any type of consciousness any, on any level. Okay, let's go to Kenneth. Good afternoon, Kenneth. How's it going? Good, good. I'm, a, I'm good. How are you guys doing? All right. All right. All right. Am I on? Yep. Yep. Oh, uh, this this show to get today, gentlemen, is really good. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to talk about is one is uh, on the Alex Haley. I heard a couple of callers calling in and talking about the plagiarism allegations. <laughs> but uh, you know, um, let's some people I can't satisfy everybody, Kenneth. I can't satisfy everybody. Let's, you know, let's, let's <laughs> take a step back and think about like uh, Birth of the Nation and W. E. Griffin <laughs> about the, the yeah, claim about that, that is still celebrated today. And we don't talk about, you know, white folk don't talk about what his mission was to make that movie. They still celebrate it. Right. That was the first Kenneth. Making movies Kenneth. Right, his daughter, Kenneth. Kenneth. And people still celebrate his films. Kenneth. Yeah, I'm listening. I'm Birth listening. of the Nation, and I'm going to let you talk. Birth of the Nation was the first film that was filmed in the White House. And President Woodrow Wilson said at the time, it was like history written by the hand of God and lightning. Exactly. And all that was was a, a, a recruiting film for the KKK. It showed still, the KKK as heroes. schools today. Huh? They still teach them in film schools today. Well, what it did, what, what it did, let, let me finish. What it did was it showed the KKK, you showed black people had got free from the Civil War and all that stuff. And we did have black congressmen at that time, at Friday, right after the Civil War. 
Mm-hmm. We had black congressmen right, doing reconstruction. We had like 19 of them, I believe. Right. And right, um, right. and uh, um, the birth of the nation showed black people in the state legislature with their feet on the on the desk. They barefooted and eating chicken and all that stuff. And then here comes the Ku Klux Klan to the rescue to clear out the state house and save white women. They show white women trying to get raped by black people. They're white men in blackface, by the way. But they were trying to, because they didn't hire any black people for the movie. But but they, they, they showed how the KKK rescued white women from being raped by black people. It was awful. And it resulted right. in resurgence of KKK. And the KKK had 20, like 20 million members after that movie. And, and so the point I was making is that you have history like that where you have decades of films celebrating things like that. And then somebody like Alex Haley comes, comes along, no matter how he came along, he does something <laughs> that says, hey, well, there's another side to the story. And that's, that should be celebrated, period. And the other thing I want to talk about real quick is that last one of the calls you had in, that's yes. the point that I can't believe that we're not talking about, is that if you had what happened during the riots last year, happened in Roland Park or some neighborhood that was fluent, white middle class and white, and, no, and those children were left stranded in a dangerous situation, and the, the law enforcement went up there to protect property and didn't give a damn about those children, it just wouldn't stand. And I can't believe that somebody we, should been fired. The people, are, we're not saying anything about that. Nope. We're not even. We don't have. We don't we think about it. to talk about it. We don't. Yeah, we don't care. We don't, we don't care about our children being stranded and basically attacked. That's basically what happened. Yeah, and that's what. We yeah, because what happens is they went on. You're right. Property, I've heard. Children. Kev, I heard reports that the police actually went on the bus and threw some of the kids off the bus. The I, one, you know, I, some, I, I some, that's that's. It, I, I did not. It's ludicrous. I mean, yeah. to this day, we still don't really know what happened. All I know is that because know, it can't have. I used that, to get on that subway to get home from school, and I'm thinking that if I was a kid carrying my chemistry books and my textbooks, and I'm trying to get, how would I have gotten home? Right, you probably would have had a riot. <laughs> I, I, what am, what am I going to do? Am I going to stand there and, but, and get hit in the head with a rock, or am I going to throw a rock to protect myself? Truth be known, that's what ignited the riots, okay? Maybe some people took it to a different level. You know, the people that are opportunists, they're going to ride right, for anything. Absolutely. But the kids were upset. They couldn't get home. And nobody that's gave true. a damn. And we were, I mean, they knew we were going to stand up for If you watch, if you watch what happened, I guarantee you, if you watch what happened, you had a bunch of stranded kids yep. that they, they probably were standing around saying, okay, there's a dangerous situation. Who's coming to save us from this dangerous situation? I'm going to enable it on below you. Nobody came to save them. They got right. attacked. Right. And they reacted like people do when they get attacked. Right. Corn, and yeah. the opportunists came in and said, I'm going to go grab a bunch of pills from CVS. <laughs> yeah, from CVS, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, the, and then the narrative that we get from the media is that we're just a bunch of animals. We just decided to ride. We had no Absolutely. legitimate reason. And stupid people right. are dumb enough to go for that. Now, when Maryland That's why we didn't have a ride at the... Let me, let me finish. Let me finish. Says, let me finish. Kenneth, so Kenneth. The reason I know I'm right is that's why we didn't have a ride after the Porter verdict. We didn't have a ride after the Nero verdict. Because mm-hmm. something actually ignited that riot. As Malcolm X said, it only, uh, a dynamite, a fuse is very small. But a fuse is enough to ignite dynamite. Okay? And that little bit of protest those kids did Active protesting, I call it. <laughs> by throwing rocks, by throwing rocks at people ask, that were throwing my buses, um, that ignited riots. If, if you were working down in downtown Baltimore and you 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 rode the subway to work and you walk out of your job and you say I'm tired, I want to go home and go to go right, home. right. And and then somebody said you can't catch the bus, you can't catch the train. Would that upset you? <laughs> yeah, I'd be a little upset. I'd be a little perturbed. And, and if I was a high school kid, in your face after they strand you somewhere. Yeah, and if I was a kid, I'd be really upset. If I was a high school kid. I'm saying as a grown man, I'd be upset. And you expect <laughs> children to react to this. How? How come nobody knows How come nobody knows that, Kenneth? That, and that's what I'm, that's <laughs> what I'm troubled by, because I keep saying it to people, and it seems like nobody's talking like stupid, about right? that fact. I'm, glad, I'm really glad that caller called in and said that, so maybe more people will start talking about the fact. You know, these, you, you're talking about these riders and these, these crazy. These were children. 
Yep. You know, I mean, I know some bad people involved in that too, but this started with children. It started with children, exactly. And children. people don't want to admit it. And, and by the way, like I read this article from The Sun, the MTA does not want to release the film of what actually happened in that area. They won't release it. And, this, I, and they say it because they scared terrorists might get ideas. But you know what? If I want to go up there and take a picture of that, that stuff, I go up there right now and take a picture of it. So that's, mm-hmm. that, to me, that's not a legitimate excuse. All right? right. They're trying to hide something. No, absolutely. What really ha- happened. Okay. Well, I appreciate like, you taking my call. Thank you. All right, Kel. Thank so thanks much. for calling. Okay. So let's go to um, – um, uh, let's take our country back. The Tea Parties and all this stuff that are angry about healthcare talk about they want their country back the way it used to be when government was small. What date was that? Because government was never small for white people. Never was it small. Taxes were not lower back in the day. Our taxes were top tax rate in 1958 was 91%. It's less than half that now. Whether you think it should be even lower, let's not pretend that we want to go back to the way it was when taxes were low. Taxes were higher. Government was just as big. And white folks didn't mind it when we were the only ones getting benefits. It's only when people of color started to gain access to other programs, which aren't even as generous as the ones we had access to, that all of a sudden we discovered our inner libertarian. Right? All of a sudden we discovered our inner love of the free market. We didn't care about that before. Right? When the New Deal was passed, people of color were excluded from almost all the programs. Social Security for the first 20 years basically excluded 8 out of 10 black folk because it said you couldn't get in on Social Security if you were an agricultural laborer or a domestic worker, which was like three quarters, 80% of all black folks in the country. And that was done at the behest of Southern Democrats who made FDR worked that into the New Deal legislation in order for them to vote for it. They just want to make sure black folks couldn't get in on the government programs. They didn't mind government programs. They just didn't want people of color getting in on it. Right? So that's the history of how wealth was created and not. That's the legacy that we have inherited. So we know that it wasn't just all, you know, hard work determination, pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, but which we all should strive for hard work. I work very hard. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure Zach works hard and Leroy works hard as well getting his master's degree. And we should always seek excellence. But there are some people that might have had a little bit of head start on us, maybe a 400-year head start. But uh, let's, let's see who benefited from the FHA, for instance. No, and that's what you do. It's low interest. The terms are good. You know, you don't have to have a lot down, that kind of thing. But in the first 30 years of that program, it was almost exclusively for whites. Because the underwriting criteria that the banks were using that was actually given to them by a quasi-public institution, right, known as the Home Ownership Lending Corporation, which was created during this period, the underwriting criteria that they used basically made it impossible for people of color to get these loans, even though they were guaranteed with taxpayer money, including the money of black and brown taxpayers. But the way the criteria was written, 98% of all the loans went to white families. By 1960, 40% of all white family mortgages were being written under this one preferential policy. Government policy, $120 billion worth of housing equity loaned from the early 1940s, late 30s, until the early 1960s at a time when people of color couldn't get in on that. $120 billion head start. And again, if you do that for people of color, that's affirmative action, that's racial preference, that's welfare, that's a handout. You do it for white folks, it's good macroeconomic policy. Right? And of course, it was good macroeconomic policy. It would have been even better had it been extended to people of color, because you'd have had an even bigger economic stimulus, but they weren't thinking in those terms. So you have the FHA, the VA program, even black and brown veterans excluded from the loans that were available under the VA program. You have the GI Bill, which in theory was available to all returning veterans after World War II in Korea, but in practice, the disproportionate 
disproportionate benefits went to white veterans because if you were a veteran of color, the employers, you know, because theoretically what the GI Bill did said it said you could get training, uh, you know, to have a job, you could go to college, you know, you get these opportunities, but the employers still had the right of refusal. They still had the right to not hire you to discriminate against you on the basis of race. Their property rights as owners were given precedence over the right of those returning GIs to have jobs. You couldn't just go to any college if they didn't want to admit you. So people of color were still excluded even after they had served the country in the military. So you had all of these programs, Homestead Act, VA, FHA, GI Bill, go all the way back to the Headright system, all these things pumping literally hundreds of billions, one might say trillions of dollars worth of wealth into white folks' hands before people of color even got to the starting gate of wealth accumulation by the time the Fair Housing Act came around. And if you know anything about the Fair Housing Act, which wasn't even passed until 1968, you know that for the first 20 years, neither Democrats or Republicans thought it was important to put enforcement mechanisms in. Okay, as he said, uh, enforcement mechanisms for the FHA, the Fair Housing, not 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 the F, not the Fair um, not the Federal Housing Administration, but the Fair Housing Act. Enforcement mechanisms weren't even put into 1988, even though the act went through in 1968. So they didn't even enforce the daggone thing. So and there's still housing discrimination going on, statistically proven. So it wasn't all pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Although I don't think we should make excuses. I'm just telling you the truth, and you're not going to hear this anywhere else. You're certainly not going to hear it in a history book. And you're certainly not going to get it off the news. They're never going to confess to that, to the fact that trillions of dollars was just handed to white folks to, to get them wealthy and let them own houses and land and stuff that they can leverage to send their kids to school, et cetera, for the equity from the houses. And a lot of times we kept out of the housing market because we couldn't get the FHA loans that they were getting and you know, prior to the 60s. And so we, did, we became renters, a lot of us. Okay, um, let's take Marie. Okay. Good afternoon, Marie. Good afternoon. Hey, Marie. Where can I find that information about how they was given, the Europeans were given all these handouts? What is that under? What You can try to, you can, um, you can Google, Google Tim Wise. And he, what he is, he's a, um, that man's white, by the way. He's an honest white man. Yeah, I know who, he, yeah, I know like, who he is. He Tim tells, White. Yeah, he got a lot of, he's got a lot of, uh, he, he lectures a lot of colleges and stuff like that. And he has a lot of information on, on the fact that, yeah, white folks were given a head start. They won't admit to it. And the people that say take their country back, they won't admit that taxes were higher in the 50s. You had 90% tax brackets. They won't admit to that. It's only when you start, they start perceiving that wealth is being transferred to black people or brown people that they have a problem. Okay. Other than that, they got they don't have a problem with big government when it benefits them. Okay. Well, in the form of tax breaks, tips, or whatever. Well, you know, and I enjoy your show. But um, there's a large piece of history that's not being told, that's purposely, purposely being oh, yeah, excluded. Of course. And that's why we try to keep, you know, keep people posted on what's but, going uh, down. But let me, let me share this. Let me share. And you may not agree. We've been doing research to find out your true natives are your African, your so-called African-Americans here on this land. A lot of us were already here, and they're not talking about that. And the ones that they are calling African American, I mean, natives, are Caucasian descendants. The real natives were black. Okay, and, I've, I've heard I've heard indications of that in South America too, but um, a lot mm -hmm. of a lot of people's the Vikings. A lot of people gotten here, you know, by accident, by the currents of the ocean. So yeah, yeah, that is there's a lot of truth to that. But we got to move on to the next caller. Thank you so much okay, for your call. Thank, thank you. you. Call next week. Okay, next up we have Brother Hockey. How's it going, Brother Hockey? Yes, sir. I would like to uh, 
answer uh, the questions in terms of where to get some of that information. Go ahead, sir. Uh, there's Please. actually a book out called How White Folks Got So Rich. You writing it down? Mm-hmm. How White Folks Got So Rich. Yeah, it's a small, it's a very small book, but it, you know, when you talk about the homestead, the VA, the, right. the FHA, all of those. And I also must say uh, Black Label White Wealth. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a that's, that's, yeah, that, source. that mm-hmm. you know, kind of goes a little bit more mm-hmm. in detail. Yeah. So between both of those, uh, without <laughs> you, you'd be, uh, hey, you you you'd be surprised how many white folks don't realize that they they've, they've uh, derived all these benefits, trillions of dollars worth of wealth, and then we were paying taxes too. Black people, Chinese, everybody, we paying into that transfer of wealth to them, and they they have no shame about it, no shame at all. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, they're proud of it. And they they tell us about stuff about our own bootstraps when they were given free land, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> acres and acres of land. George Washington had all kinds of land, you know, and and he had a hundred slaves. That's why you don't see any white men named uh, Washington, you know, because you took your your name from the slave match. A lot of black people named Washington, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> true, Think about true, that. True. <laughs> but you never saw a all white right, man named Washington. <laughs> yeah. That's all, all right. I had to say, bro. Thanks. All right, sir. Thanks Thank for you call. so much for your Good comment. Information. Good information. All right. Okay, so Leroy, you got any comments? Um, yeah. So you know when it, I, I guess going back to roots, um, you know, like all all this, like yeah, well, I guess we we kind of all already covered this, but when it comes to you know roots not being entirely true, it, it really goes back to like what you were saying about birth of a nation and how you know today the content isn't exactly you know uh the best as we know but it's still held and it's still studied for it you know for its technological innovation so the same way that birth of nation is um, studied for its technological innovations of its day then we you know we celebrate roots for its impact on american culture and bringing forth slave culture to the you know to the larger fabric of american but society I, with one with one caveat birth of nation so ridiculous scenes that that and most likely never occurred. Roots actually shows scenes that, although it may not have happened to him or his ancestors, it certainly did happen. Okay, no doubt about that. It happened to somebody or a lot of somebody's, millions of somebody's. Okay, that transatlantic slave trade was real. That really happened. Okay, maybe the maybe the um, the um, Ku Klux Klan and Rodgers rescue would save white people from being raped by black, you know, savages, but. The problem with the um, that a lot of people had with Roots is it showed white people for the first time as the savages. You know, the narrative usually is um, the the Native Americans tying the white woman up and they going running around up the pole while she's burning, and the white man with white hat comes in and saves her. First time people in 1977 saw things how they actually have occurred in history, even though it may not have happened exactly that way to that person. Those things happen, and I would say I would put that up against the Iliad. We know, we know um, uh, uh, Ulysses didn't fight no Cyclops, right? We know they weren't centaurs or any of that stuff, okay, or sirens. But it's still a good uh, work of art. However, that stuff uh, wasn't based on true things. Roots was. It was actually based on vignettes of things that actually happened to people. And that's the value right. of it. Right. Um, 
Uh, Leroy, I mean, I'm uh, uh, Zach. I'm sorry. I was going to say um, also, you know, uh, roots. Uh, the whole thing highlights the importance of telling our story. Um, when you look at successful cultures, they all have a certain narrative and a general narrative of things that have happened to them previously. And um, I recently heard a story. I'm gonna have to wrap this up, but I'm, I recently heard a story of someone who went to Somalia and he spoke with some of the people who lived there, and a lot of them actually believe that the French were their actual ancestors who were there uh, first. Um, and you know that's clearly not true. Um, so it's important to just you know spread our story so that we know our actual history and can you know derive strength from that okay it looks like we um we got another call but we've run out of time just uh let's take the call real quick you have to be brief sir we're about to run it, close the show go ahead uh hello lady maggie lady maggie yeah you have yes, to be brief lady maggie and blessings real yeah. quick i just want to share that listening to you i thought about the witch in Europe and how they burned her at the stake. So sometimes the story is not about the one that it's lied. You know, the lie is in disguise as well. Well, they burned Joan of Arc at the stake. Pardon me? <laughs> they burned Joan of Arc at the stake. She well, actually led a crusade. I'm, that's what I'm yeah, saying. The France. wild, wild west, what <laughs> made them so wild was their hatred of women. Right, right. A lot of cultures... Okay. All right. Thank you, uh, Thank ladies. You so much. Really welcome. appreciate it. Um, call back next week, uh, ma'am. Okay. Okay. So we hope, as we said, we what we do on the show is we try to expose the truth hidden in plain sight. All right. And um, we try to we use different forms of uh, conveyance to get this information to you. And a lot of the stuff that you hear on the show, you're gonna hear anywhere else. You're not gonna hear it on on TV, on the news, on the evening news, and you're not gonna. Um, you're not going to get it out of a history book because there's a reason why they hide these troops. As a lot of it is too painful for both the uh, the people that perpetrated these things and the people that were victims. And some people, even the victims, don't want to know about it in most cases. And when you tell people this stuff, they're looking at you like you're crazy, uh, unless you can show them how you got the information. Okay, we're about to close the show, and feel free to tune. And thank everybody. Thanks. Thank you to everybody that tuned in with us and gave their commentary. I appreciate it. It was all excellent. I enjoyed the dialogue. And be sure to tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. for the Call Tyrone Show. And thank you for your time. Thank you so much.